welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jantz, and my guest today is David Seitman Garland. He is entrepreneur, mediapreneur, marketer, speaker, and author. He's also the founder of Rise to the Top, a resource we'll talk about a little bit, and recently, or maybe most recently, author of Smarter, Faster, Cheaper, Non-Boring, Fluff-Free Strategies for Marketing and Promoting Your Business out right now from Wiley. So, David, thanks for joining me. Hey, John. It's a pleasure to be on the show. Thanks for having me. So, is that right? This is the first week of December, if you're listening. Uh, Is the book out? That's it. I mean, the, the magical, wondrous date is December 7th. So, yes, it, it, it is out. Don't make the mistake, like I did on my first book, of announcing to the world that it was like having a baby. Because women, women, <laughs> women will rip you up and down for saying you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I might be in a little bit of trouble then. <laughs> well, just a word to the wise, uh, or what to expect. Um so rise to the top your let's talk about that for a second uh, your i mean would, would it be safe to, and obviously i know that's a, a a resource where you have lots of great content and have done interviews would it be safe to say that's your business yeah that's that's definitely my business and you know it's something i um that really is my baby so hold hold that women yeah. um but uh you know, the rise to the top, it was really centered around an idea that I came up in a coffee shop with in 2008. So it's hard to believe that it's only been two years. And it's really, you know, focused, as you know, John, because you've been on a couple times, around a web show where I interview kind of the most interesting, passionate, unique entrepreneurs that I can find. And that's, that's one of the elements of it. Um, but it's had a lot of different components, ranging from a traditional TV show to, to blog articles and all kinds of stuff in between. Well, and one of the things that I think you've done that's pretty been pretty impressive as I've watched you over at least the last year, eighteen months, is I mean, you really have some some nice, you know, present company notwithstanding, some really uh, <laughs> nice, well known guests on there, and uh, you know, I, I I often tell people that that this, you know, that you should be doing a thing like this and reaching out to people. Would you say that it's given you some access to folks that maybe you wouldn't have? had access to if you just called them up or emailed them and said, gosh, I'd like to chat with you. Oh, absolutely. I mean, absolutely bar none. I mean, you know, I think interviews are one of the most interesting content you can create because it creates such a a great situation for everyone, um, especially as you build an audience. And, and you know, I, to date, including the traditional TV plus the, the web show, I, I think I've done about 275, 280 interviews or so. And one of the key things is, just like you mentioned, is now I feel very comfortable and I think that the guests feel comfortable with me of having that back and forth relationship. But I certainly used the show as a handshake to reach out to people that really, in many cases, I had absolutely no business talking to whatsoever and would have never responded to my emails or calls or whatever it may be otherwise. Yeah, I like that term handshake. That's a good one. So. Um, smarter, faster, cheaper. I know you say quite often the, I've heard you say it probably before you wrote the book, uh, it's sort of the flip side to dumber, slower, more expensive. So sort of set those, uh, that juxtaposition up. Yeah. It's, you know, I think marketing and we, and we know this, I mean, marketing has massively changed over the last, you know, even just few years. And I think the way that it's always been done and even, even recent translations of that. So, so of course, the way that it's always been done was the traditional way, right? right. And I'm not completely blasting all that, but the, the ways, you know, with the ads and the interrupting and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and we kind of know that that way has 
never really been a massively efficient way for entrepreneurs and small business owners to, to market whatsoever. It was much more of a big brand game in many cases. And then what's interesting is when internet marketing started becoming pretty popular, people started applying the same dumber, slower, expensive principles to the internet marketing. Yeah. So they said, okay, well, you know, billboard, great. Now we're going to get a banner ad, right? And what I noticed from personal experience of building the rise to the top and also kind of through these interviews with, with people ranging from yourself, you know, all the way to Seth Godin to, to Tim Ferriss and, and many other interesting entrepreneurs, that there was a different approach to doing it that was based on essentially becoming a resource around a subject in a niche. And it's something that I think people somewhat understand, but they needed kind of guidance and examples of how they could do this for themselves. And that's kind of where the idea of the book came from. Okay, well, let me challenge you on one thing that I hear quite often from people, especially, you know, we're talking about everything being in real time now, and of course, obviously, that's a big part of the faster uh, approach, but what you just described, this idea of of becoming a niche player or a, an expert in a niche player and creating content, I mean, that doesn't happen overnight. I mean, so how do you, how do you sort of balance that with this idea of, of faster? Yeah, exactly, and that's a great question, John, and, and the way that I see it is this is that your ability to create content, your ability to connect with people, your ability to, you know, essentially pass the middleman and do all these things of, you know, tracking down people and, and you know, starting conversations and, and interviewing and creating content, you know, the idea that you can do this so much faster than our forefathers, where it wasn't even really an option right. whatsoever. However, and that's a great point, John, and I 100% agree with it, this isn't a book about overnight success or get rich quick scheme, or it's an on-off switch. You know, the way I like to say it is this is all about long-term relationships as opposed to one-night stands, if you will. Yeah. And I, so it's not, yeah, it's faster in that, in, in what you can do is faster, but yes, it still takes, you know, blood, sweat, and tears, if you will. <laughs> the, um, I know uh, somebody you've interviewed, uh, David Meerman Scott, um, you know, certainly has a new book out about this idea of speed and that, that it, it's it's not only something that you can do, but but perhaps is essential. I mean that all of these real time opportunities are cropping up, and and the question is whether or not you're going to take advantage of them. Right, yeah, absolutely. And you know, in real time, it's an interesting situation. I mean, it can it can be your best friend or worst enemy, yeah. depending on how you want to do it or how you want to allow it to consume you. And I think that one of the key things, John, that you do. And a lot of trusted resources do in many, many different niches. And this is not just, you know, business niche. It's, it's everything from cats to boxing that I've seen and studied is that the way people that seem to control that real time, if you will, a little bit, is by sticking to some kind of consistent publishing schedule yeah. with their content. I mean, whether it's your Tuesday, Saturday guy, you're a Monday, Friday, your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, whatever it may be, you can kind of, there's still that expectation, right, John? Like when I come to your website, you do a thing on Saturdays, right, where you do like um, a couple interesting links from the, from the week. Right. And what's cool is I know that. I know if I go to your blog on Saturday, unless you fall off a cliff, God forbid, right? <laughs> right. But there's going to be a couple of interesting links to check out. And I think that that is a good way to essentially control, quote unquote, your real time. So you're not worrying about doing everything and reacting to every single thing that's out there. I think honestly, that can be very, very time consuming and also can cause a lot of burnout. So I like to think more of a publisher, but just with, you know, some kind of different rules and, and, and regulations, if you will. 
Well, yeah, and I think that that publisher model is one that is really a great model for people to start. I, I write about it all the time because it, yeah. it's it's like this – when we talk about content, I think sometimes people think, okay, that just means I have to spray a bunch of stuff. And, and I think it's this idea of having like what's your total body of work going to look like you yeah, know, two years exactly. from now. Then I think you start going, oh, okay, I just need to start chipping away at that. Exactly, and that's the way I said it. I mean I've you know, <laughs> recently had about, uh, up to about 150 episodes of the web show and – and 36 episodes of traditional TV and some other stuff like that. And you know what? I mean, just to be honest, John, it, just like you with the podcast and your blog, it takes consistent effort, yeah. you know? <laughs> and and I think what separates the people that from the pack are a couple things. You know, one is that they do make that consistent effort time and time again and kind of chip away even when it's kind of bleeding in the brain a little bit. And And the second thing is it's not just – about creating content. I think that's what people get, you know, people understand now content equals important, right? Yeah, yeah. And then maybe they'll understand the second part that your content isn't about you because no one cares. And then maybe they'll create something educational, entertaining, or inspiring one way or another, but then they don't do the magic. And the magic, the way that I see it, and just from what I've done and, and what I've learned about is really getting into the quote unquote trenches and getting to meet people one-on-one, -on -one, uh, you know, introducing yourself to other bloggers, forming relationships, using social media. There's so many different ways to build an audience and community. But the problem is if you spend all that time creating content, you, don't, you can't just hit publish and then go into the park and play Frisbee with you know, your dog Fluffy. It just doesn't work like that. This halftime break is brought to you by Constant Contact. Constant Contact helps small businesses and nonprofits build great customer relationships with email marketing, event marketing, and online surveys. Visit them today at constantcontact.com and sign up for your free 60-day trial. Yeah, I mean, you you that is obviously one of the complaints i suppose when people burn out on it they say well i don't think anybody's reading it so so talk about some of your and and probably kind of going to venture directly into the book here some of your kind of tips for finding eyeballs yeah and i and i think that's critical too and, and the one thing that i would say is you got to realize like we mentioned earlier that this is definitely a process that takes time it starts with one person it starts with two and you know, there, there's a definitely a mental game there, John. Where early on, you're not going to be sitting there with a hundred thousand people, but maybe you can act like it. Um, and and one of the, that's one of the things I did early on is I pretended that there were a hundred thousand people, but I was speaking to just one of them. Hmm. And I think that that mental ability kind of got me through some early times. But here's the things that I've noticed that work extremely well, and this is just a few of them. Number one is picking, and this doesn't have to be a massive amount, but if you're on the social side of the brain like I am where you like interacting with people in your space. Um, using Twitter and, and Facebook are my two favorite tools. Now, I'm not saying LinkedIn is bad. I'm not saying that other sites are good or bad. But for me, the quick way to not only share my content, but share interesting content from other people and be able to find like-minded people on those sites to connect to has been absolutely instrumental. If you look at my web traffic personally, two and three uh, really one and two are essentially Twitter and Facebook for mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is, is to understand and help. And that's one of the key words, new media sources and bloggers in your niche. So it, no matter what niche you're going into or whatever thing you're getting going with or, or, or trying to build up, there's other people that are in there, no matter what, unless you're doing something really, really weird in that case, you know, good luck. But <laughs> 
you know, usually there's other influencers. John, for example, like when I came into the small business space and entrepreneurship space, I knew you as an influencer. I saw, um, you know, Guy Kawasaki. I saw Seth Godin. I saw all these people. And what I made a conscious effort to do was to really become friends and build a relationship one way or another with these people and including you know, the top of the mountain, but also the up and comers, people that were just kind of getting going and more accessible. And what I did to do that really was sharing content, their content, becoming a part of their community by hopping on their blogs, offering things that could help them. For example, if you had a new book coming out, interviewing on my show, things like that. And what I essentially did was sort of leverage the content uh, to form relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that that is a few of the easy ways to get going. And another quick one, John, um, is really you'd be surprised. And Gary Vaynerchuk mentions this and crush it in the way that he's done it. Thoughtful comments, not spammy, mm-hmm. but thoughtful comments left on blogs and forums. You'd be surprised at over time that the traffic and relationships that that those can build. Absolutely. Um, n- another whole chapter um, called Be Your Own Media Source. Um, I'd love to hear you kind of explain what, what uh, somebody's going to find in that chapter. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, the, the, what I try to do in the book is I try to frame larger concepts and everything in the book I've tried mm-hmm. and also found other examples through stories of other people that have been, been successful. And what I noticed is through just a smattering of interviews, I mean, just a lot of people that most successful, not most, but, but just the smarter, faster, cheaper businesses, I would say, are people that are sort of half business, half publisher and media source, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. So they, yes, they have a product to sell or they have some kind of backend business whatsoever, you know, and then they have some free, that's the key word, interesting content that they're creating. It might be a web show like Gary Vaynerchuk. It might be a, you know, blog series. It might be, there, there's so many different ways that you can create content. And the key being that that being your own media source is your biggest marketing weapon because that's what people share online. They're not going to be like, hey, John, check out this super blinky banner ad. It's really, really exciting. You should check that out. That's not what people share. People share stuff that's either educational, entertaining, or inspiring in media format. So it's really a rethinking of how am I a business to promote my product to how am I a publisher looking to promote and market my media? And I think that's a big mindset change that, that can be a massive advantage for small businesses moving into the future. So um, you talk a lot about a term called a digital smoozer. <laughs> and um, in fact, I just think I even received a, a pitch from Wiley. Um, with some content from you. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> about, Sorry about that. <laughs> about uh, 13 traits of a digital schmoozer. Now, you know, in some circles, uh, that doesn't have an altogether positive ring to it. But uh, so help me understand why I'd want to be one of those. Right. So, you know, obviously people understand the word digital. And then schmoozer, you know, a lot of times, like you mentioned, I think the way of thinking about it would be the swarmy person, right? right. That was like the old way of thinking about it. Like the the schmoozer is the person that's glad handing you and then throwing a business card at you or something at, a, at an event to take you out for coffee and pitch you something, right? Right. Um, but I wanted to change the connotation of that phrase because what I noticed is, and this is through a study and then this is really through a study and, and just observations of this and just what I noticed worked, was that you see certain people online that I would call expert digital schmoozers. They're people that have a loyal, passionate following. They're the type of people that 
really anything they send out gets a good response. You know, they either they could they could send out a very interesting piece of content or they could just mention that they had chicken for lunch. And it seems that they always have a responsive community that's always talking to them. And it was like, well, how did these people do it? So I really broke it down and, and really asked them individually how they did it. And some trends and characteristics got pulled together about what these people are specifically doing on social media to make them, you know, expert schmoozers. And, you know, there's just a couple of them, for example, would be that the, sh the expert schmoozers, they worry about connections and relationships first. So one thing that they do often is introduce people to each other. And it sounds so simple, but yet it's something that many people miss the mark on on social media because they're so busy about promoting their own stuff. And, you know, the ability that we can quickly say, hey, John, you know, here's Joe. John has a great podcast. Joe's a great marketer. You two need to know each other. You back out of there. And when connections can stem from you, that's one of the key things that builds relationships over time. And, and there's many other characteristics. That's just one quick one. Uh, that are these people that really are the next influencers. Well, give me a couple examples of people that maybe uh, maybe aren't household names that you think are good examples of that, that, that yeah. somebody might want to go check out. Yeah, exactly. And one, you know, he's uh, – you tell me, John, if you're going to consider him a household name or maybe he's still in the garage, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, so, so this is – how about Lewis Howes? Um, I, I have to tell you that at least in my – world he's still in the garage but that okay. doesn't that so doesn't mean <laughs> so lewis is in the garage and this is a good example because this is like a personal thing that happened so lewis is a great schmoozer in terms of that he really focuses on relationships and i can tell you exactly something that he does um and that is this he likes to reach out to people randomly and he did this to me this is how i met him two years ago and just offer them some kind of little present not a pitch not something weird just a little present so what he did to me was he reached out to me on linkedin of all random things and he said that he was doing an event in St. Louis, uh, where I'm from. And he said, how would I like a little free sponsorship at the event for the Rise to the Top and come hang out and meet with them and just kind of chill? Mm -hmm. And I said, wow, okay, I'll take the free sponsorship, if mm -hmm. you will. Mm -hmm. I mean, there was no strings attached. There was no, it wasn't a Trojan horse. Like, you know, here's a free sponsorship. Now you owe me something. It right. wasn't one of those cases. But what it did was he had that give first mentality. When we ended up meeting, we hit it off. And since then, we've helped each other in many, many different ways. Like I've, I've helped him with his content, and we've spoken together on panels. We've introduced people to one another. We've promoted each other's stuff. And it all stemmed from Lewis simply reaching out to me and offering something valuable. And I think that everyone has something valuable in some form or, or way. It might be a product. It might be a service. It might be something little. It might be something big. And he's an example of someone that has really used whatever assets that he had to build relationships as opposed to just worrying about money right away. It's not like he gives away everything, but he uses that as a relationship builder. I think that was a great example of someone that took an online relationship, and actually now it's online and offline, which I think is a great thing. Yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's finish up today uh, with, uh, you know, we've been talking about all this digital stuff, this online stuff. In fact, of course, everybody is talking a lot about it. Um, is there really any place for advertising anymore? You know, I, I think absolutely. I think absolutely. And I, know, I think you agree with this, John, uh, based on what I've read with you too. Um, I don't think advertising is dead. I don't think traditional media is dead. I think it's changing. And I think that there's better options that have arisen, especially for entrepreneurs and small business owners. And what I mean by that is that if you think about it, it when it comes to content, if you, you can either create it, 
You can DJ it, which would be like curating or being the librarian, if you will, mm-hmm. or you can sponsor it. And the way that I see a lot of the future of advertising is around people sponsoring bloggers and advertising with niche bloggers as opposed to bigger sites. Um, stuff like sponsoring this podcast, John, mm-hmm. or, or my show. And that's just shameless on that one. But the idea being... The idea 800, being, uh, 326, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just give me your social security. Um, but the idea, and this is not just in our niche, which is small business and entrepreneurship. There's passionate content creators in every single niche. And to me, you can get so much more for a fraction of the cost. And I think the important thing is to realize that that audience really wants to be there. And they have a personal connection with the host or the writer or whoever it may be. And to me, I see a lot of that being really the future of where this is going. I'm not saying offline is completely dead. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm definitely seeing a shift of where dollars are going in the future would be my guess. Awesome. So my guest today, thanks so much, David Seitman Garland, has a new book out called Smarter, Faster, Cheaper, and it's definitely one of those books that you need to kind of build into your library as a, as a resource. I, I know I have a lot of books like that that particularly, I, I'm, a lot of times I'll read them, but then particularly you know, at some point in time I'll think, I need some new ideas, you know, and I'll just pull those books off. Books are a great, great probably the cheapest resource you can buy um, and and keep on your library. So, David, thanks for joining me, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, John. I really appreciate it. 